Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Getting out into Future Sense here on Bay FM 999, and uh, welcome to my co host, Steve McDonald. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nick. And we have uh, our good friend Mitch Schultz, a Texan elf, in the studio again. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning. Thank you, gentlemen. Lovely to see you both here. It's, um, it's a warm day, especially in the studio. We're enjoying the jungle fever here today. And uh, this morning, we're going to start with something, but we're going to move into a discussion of uh, multi dimensional consciousness. Yeah? Yes, indeed. And, mm, good. <laughs> Did you get my extra message there? I said no. <laughs> Probably didn't get picked up by the mic. Yeah, we'll have uh, we'll dive into multidimensional awareness because it's a it's in a facet or an aspect of of all uh, layers of human consciousness, uh, but particularly important as we uh, begin this big transition into second tier. So we'll have a, a good chat about that, and uh, we might start up just having a, a look at uh, a current affair. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, of issue. course, the coronavirus is the, the number one story in the world at the moment and um, very hard to know exactly what's going on. We, we, we're just going to tease out a little bit of what we've seen regarding that. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. And you are tuned to Bay FM, you are tuned to Future Sense here with myself, Nick Jeans, with Steve McDonald and Mitch Schultz, the Texan Elf, our guest here today. And don't forget that we have a text line, 04 three seven three four triple one nine you can text in at any time make comments and bring our attention to things and we enjoy your contributions always and as steve uh, said we're going to be talking a little later on about multi-dimensional awareness but to begin with a little bit about current affairs and in particular the situation worldwide with the coronavirus so what do we know steve what are we looking at well it's pretty much impossible to uh, to make too many definite uh, conclusions about the origin of this virus but there are some really unusual things going on around it and uh, and they're not really the, the whole picture is not being put together by any media outlet that i've seen so far so i thought it might be worth just uh, going through the timeline for the uh, emergence of the virus and some of the mm. related uh, incidents that have been happening as, as those things don't seem to add up to me there seems to be something unusual about this which yeah. could mean that there's stuff going on that's not being reported in the media at all and i think first and foremost we've got to look at it in the context of the growing east versus west tension and all of the stuff that's been happening particularly between the us and china yeah, the um, trade wars uh, trade wars and and the balance of power shifting globally you know and the u.s is obviously very concerned about that Uh, the tension in the south china sea about china's presence on those islands there which goes back decades and decades you know i can remember reading magazines back in the 80s that were predicting future tension around that issue in the south china sea of course there's taiwan and hong kong it's a lot of issues running at the moment that's right a whole bunch of things hong kong of course uh has been the um, the site of considerable civil unrest um, in protest against the the Chinese uh, controlled government there, 
And interestingly, Wuhan, which has um, been named as an important centre in relation to the coronavirus, was also the site of a very, very large protest in, I think, July last year, which was over the plan to build an, a garbage incinerator in the city, which the, the local uh, people didn't want and they were worried about it polluting the air and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, it was reported that 10,000 people took to the streets in Wuhan last a, year, which is very unusual a lot for of people mainstream. In China. Yeah, yeah. And in the, also in the context of what's going on in Hong Kong, hmm. uh, you can understand that the Chinese government would have been very, very concerned about that size of a protest on the on mainland uh, China. So there's that. And in, in the background, you've got all the other stuff going on, like cyber warfare, you know, between the East and West. Um, and uh, a lot of which, you know, goes under the radar and doesn't get reported very much. And, and also accusations of Chinese interference in domestic politics in many countries around the world, mm. including here in Australia yep. and the South Pacific and, and I think some countries in Africa as well. So there's a whole lot going on in the background here. And you've got to really take all of that into account when you start to think about the actions that have been taken in relation to the emergence of the coronavirus, which to me are looking like an overreaction. At yeah. this point, yeah. yeah, and of course, there's fallout here in Australia, reporting that uh, the the closing down of borders, the uh, the inability of Chinese and others to to move out of uh, the affected areas is is uh, clamping down all over the world. And in Australia, of course, that affects very much our economy because we have so much Chinese trade, so many Chinese visitors, tourism, and many, many, many Chinese students, especially right now at the beginning of the university year at the moment. So that's going to affect Australia's economy and other countries too. So it's interesting with the, as you said, the, uh, the trade wars, and yet as a supposed ally of the states, we're going to be at effect financially to some degree of this uh, of this situation it's looking that way but it's very like australia just to copy whatever the u.s does when it comes to this kind of thing you know we that's what we usually do just fall in line and You're do the same thing that, thank you well back in my era of course it was all the way with lbj for there vietnam that was a, that was the uh, that was a slogan at the time in the mid-60s yeah and uh, of course there was a u.s politician who came out recently and uh, made a public statement about how advantageous it would be to u.s trade that china was closing its borders and there was a restriction on, on travel. That was one of the strange things for me was hearing that from Wilbur Ross, the uh, the Commerce Secretary. It yeah. just seemed completely out of line that he would be insinuating that this is going to be a good thing and we can mm. build our economy out of this and jobs will be coming back to America because of that. And yeah. it just it struck me as odd. It is. I think it is odd. I mean, it's not unusual for you know for people to come out and say stupid things in public <laughs> these days. It happens true. a hell of a lot. But you've got to just take all of these little things into account. And there's quite a few other little breadcrumbs in the trail there, which we might have a look at in a minute. Mm. I mean, when you're talking about that sort of comment where you take a, a tragedy that's emerging, no matter how you see it, how it's being configured, and what the result will really be, and turn it immediately into a, a financial equation for yourself or for your country. I mean, this is in terms of Claire W. Graves' work, this is quite a strong example of, of the layer that we're sort of emerging out of, is that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That sort of orange scientific industrial yep. layer where um, success comes at any cost almost and, uh, you know, we, we've got to the point where we're, where business has become a war, a profit-making venture and, mm. and people who have influence are not concerned about people dying, you know, so they can make money, mm. yeah. And what about the some of the reporting that this virus has been uh, uh, added to spikes? I think they're called a spiked protein has been added to. What's what's that all about? What do we know about that? Uh, I reached out to a contact of mine who used to be the CEO of a vaccine development company, and, and they used to focus on particularly on uh, viruses that jump species. 
So the same kind of thing that we're dealing with here. Mm. And uh, he pointed me to a, a paper that was recently published by some Indian scientists who looked at this, uh, and I, I can't uh, explain the, the technical details of it, but there were some patterns in the coronavirus itself which seemed to have possibly been cut and pasted out of the HIV mm. virus, basically. Yep. Uh, and the Indians in the paper were, were basically concluding that, okay, this is genetically engineered. Uh, but my advisor said that there, it's not a unique case. There are some other proteins which also have this particular pattern in them that it also equates to the HIV virus patterns. But So, a, again, you know, there's not enough evidence there to make an absolute conclusion, but it's a possibility. We've got to hold that possibility open that this has been genetically in, engineered. And, of course... Wuhan is the location of China's only declared laboratory for studying deadly diseases. It's known as P4 facilities, uh, which are fairly rare around the world. I'm not sure if we have one in Australia, but there's one in Canada, which is somewhat implicated here too. That's another part of the, another thread of the, of the story, which we don't really know if it's true, but it's there. Yeah, and there was the case of uh, a Chinese-born uh, scientist yes. who uh, was working at a... a a similar kind of lab, level four lab in Canada. Winnipeg. Uh, and had been making trips uh, between Canada mm. and China, including visiting and working at that Wuhan lab uh, for, for the, I think, 2017, 2018. Yeah. Uh, and is now the subject uh, of an investigation. Mm. Uh, so, again, that's another strange piece of the puzzle. Uh, so we've got the possibility, again, we can't be certain that it has been genetically engineered uh, some strange link between Canada uh, or at least some tr strange travel between Canada and that particular lab in Wuhan uh, and um, possibly the escape of the virus I mean that's I guess it's one possibility but how realistic is that given these kind of facilities I, I think yeah uh, you know these sorry these facilities are usually very very strictly controlled yeah. and uh, I, I know from my own limited experience in the military uh, dealing with um, biological and, and uh, nuclear mm. issues. I, you know, I had some, very, you had some training. In this, I had some very you? basic training, yeah, yeah which, which was uh, defensive training. So mm -hmm. I, I did a, a course in how to teach people to protect themselves against these sorts of threats mm. by dressing up in protective suits, using uh, masks, going through decontamination processes and those sorts of things. And, and uh, they, you know, the, the environments that use these kinds of things are very, very strictly controlled usually. Um, but again, there's always the possibility of a mistake being made or, mm. or some corruption or uh, subversion yeah. you know, by a foreign power, perhaps. Mm. So, um, yeah, so, you know, there's a, straight away there, there's a whole bunch of interesting sort of background issues. There's the general tension between East versus West. There's the, the link between unrest in Hong Kong and all of a sudden a whole bunch of unrest in Wuhan. Uh, and no doubt the Chinese government uh, wanting to try and uh, quash that, quash both of those. Um, I think there's a strong possibility, again, no proof, but a strong possibility that there's been foreign support to the protesters in Hong Kong to try and stir things up for China. I mean, you know, if I was operating from layer five and I wanted to uh, increase my chances of succeeding in the trade war, I'd probably throw a, you know, a match on something that might burn in a place like that. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's pro an issue in Wuhan and again the possibility that somebody could see that as an opportunity to exploit, you know, creating further problems for China by mm. somehow stirring up mm. uh, more trouble in Wuhan. Um, oh look, Wuhan's got a, a infectious diseases lab. Um, yeah, wouldn't it be awful if something got out of there, you know, and, and caused further trouble for China? I mean, it's, it's just... Uh, 
a, a fictional assumption at this stage, but it's certainly a possibility. Um, One of the other things, of course, is fear. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about um, 9-11 and the weeks after. I was living in New York, as you guys know, at that time, so are you, mm -hmm. and the anthrax scare that had happened mm -hmm. a few weeks That's after 9-11. Right. Yeah, and yeah. That, was, that, that flooded through the US, particularly in New York, in my experience. And the fear that was generated from that was incredible. And I, I remember my dear wife at the time, Rachel, and refusing to go down to the letterbox. And, I think there were a lot and, of people. Yeah, I'm sure lots that, of people. Yeah, didn't yeah. want to even open the mail. Didn't want to open the mail. And that level of fear created a, you know, a template for something, for what, you know? And uh, it seems like there's an element going on here for yeah, sure. Yeah, and the, the particular value set that we're talking about, the scientific industrial era value set, uh, is really good at exploiting opportunities. And particularly if there's some sort of financial gain uh, and personal success attached. So even if this was uh, a genuine natural event where, you know, something jumped out of a fish and onto a person at the fish market, which was, you know, the, the general story going around and then spread uh, and it was just a, a natural event then it could still be seen as an opportunity for somebody to exploit. So, um, mm. you know, any opportunity to try and make it look worse, for example, declaring a global health emergency. Yes, uh, which the WHO has locking done. Locking down borders. Yeah, uh, those sorts of things, you know, they're, mm. they're all very likely mm. uh, scenarios. If, if we compare the, the coronavirus outbreak to the SARS outbreak in 2003, and we probably, most of us would remember all the publicity that went around with that. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, the scanners that they had at airports looking at people's temperatures they came through and all yeah. those sorts of things. The, um, the death rate from the SARS virus back then was uh, roughly 9.6% of those who were confirmed mm. with the virus died, whereas the coronavirus death rate is just over 2%, so it's yes. much, much lower. Yeah. Uh, and yet um, the New York Times has reported that the Chinese, the initial Chinese response was the largest known quarantine effort in human history. Uh, and you've got to ask yourself, why were the Chinese so worried about that? Uh, if it had come out of their lab and if they had all the data on the virus, they probably would have known that it wasn't that serious in terms of the potential death toll. Yet they've pulled what what's the New York Times is calling the largest quarantine effort in human history, where they they completely shut down a transport hub, which was, this transport hub was larger than New York City, <laughs> according to the New York Times. So what's going on there? Um, could it be that China suspected that it was foreign interference and therefore overreacted just in case? That That's a, another possibility. It's also true that the fish market you just referred to is only about 20 or 30 miles 40, 50 kilometres from the P4 facility in Wuhan. So there's something there. There's yeah. something there. Yeah, Gotta absolutely. Be. And uh, Radio Free Asia, which is a private radio station established by the US Congress and funded by the government of the United States, uh, in the last week in January, they rebroadcast a local Wuhan television report from 2015 showing China's most advanced virus research laboratory uh, known as the Wuhan Institute of Virolo Virology. So that was really good of them to, um, to screen that show. Uh, <laughs> free, what, what What's happening? The free, uh, what, what was in that? The Radio, title? Radio Free Asia. Radio Free Asia. Which is run by the US, funded by the government, US government. Just decided yes. to rescreen that from 2015 yes. just to help uh, spread the joy, I guess. Yes. Uh, so that happened, and then you've got the Canadian link. Mm. Um, and the Washington Post, which, of course, is a well-known newspaper in the United States. <laughs> Mouthpiece for what? Well, what, would you, what would you say? How would you describe the Washington Post, Mitch? Uh, it's Bezos. <laughs> it's it's Bezos. Bezos here. Yep. Yeah, from Amazon, yeah. He's Richest man in the world. His magic, yep, yep. Oh. Um, 
so yeah, they they published an article uh, which I'm just going to pull up when I can find it here uh, and uh, quoted an Israeli uh, biological warfare expert um, in their article saying that uh, you know this is a really really is a global threat uh, and and basically pumping up the the fear mm, around yeah. the issue. So mm. it seems that there's been some effort on the part of the US to try and increase the concern mm. about this. And then, of course, you've got the World Health Organization, mm. part of the United Nations, which declared a global health emergency, uh, which everybody probably knows the United Nations is based in the US. Um, so there, there's definitely, you know, even if there was absolutely no foreign interference in the emergence of the virus and it wasn't genetically engineered, there's definitely been some effort to pump up the fear volume mm. on this for sure and the other aspect which is being talked about because i think after the sars virus i think it was four months after that uh, vaccine for the sars virus came out i think that's uh, i remember that report somewhere recently um and the question that some people are asking is well do they have the vaccine ready for this is the fear generated already too conspiratorial here but you know that's an element here where if fear is generated enough and suddenly the vaccine is there pharmaceutical companies that can make zillions from this and people can go and get themselves vaccinated from this new virus yeah well, what do you think about we'll that? see i mean if, yeah, if we'll there's see. any if there's any basis to that we'll see mm. that happen and i haven't mm. haven't seen it happening yet um one good news piece out of this is that uh as as far as I'm aware, and this again is relying on the, the media reports to be accurate, uh, an Australian laboratory was the first to replicate the coronavirus and therefore um, make progress towards developing a vaccine. So that's kind of good news that we've got that uh, expertise, which can work very, very quickly to, um, to do that kind of thing. And my advisor that I was talking about before who's worked in the industry did tell me that um, Australia is, is one of the best off countries in the world when it comes to having those sorts of technologies and, and the Commonwealth yeah. Serum Laboratories that we have here, yeah. uh, which are capable of producing vaccines. And many countries don't have that kind of in-house mm. expertise, so we are fortunate here. Mm. Yeah. Yes, we have a great history actually of uh, R&D in the medical industry, still probably not supported as much as it could be by recent government uh, times, but we have a, a very magnificent record in that area actually yeah mm. so yeah so it'll be interesting to watch this i mean uh, i've again this is this is purely fictional uh, assumptions on my part but if i was uh some working for some foreign intelligence agency and i wanted to mess with china uh, and i saw the opportunity of protest in a, a town like or city like wuhan you know where we could possibly stoke the fires there and then i noticed that wuhan had a had a lab that worked with viruses then it would be probably a smart idea to try and release something there and then it could easily be blamed on you know a local mistake uh, and you, if I was doing that I'd probably produce something that didn't rate as a biological weapon so it yeah. wouldn't look like a biological weapon mm. and they've been throwing around this uh, figure in the media of 33 percent yes well i brought rate, that up you know, and you said yeah. that's an old an old frame yeah that, that's based on old-fashioned conventional warfare okay. where, where it would be used on mass against a foreign you know military like probably. something like anthrax for example yeah, yeah. and these days warfare is not like that anymore mm. you know it's much more targeted much more discreet in in many cases um so you know it's a possible scenario but I, but just to reiterate there really is no evidence either way of how how this originated yet uh, we're going to have to wait and see and uh, i think there's there's pretty clear evidence though that the fear factor has been pumped up by um, foreign bodies and foreign governments yeah and of course it sells press it sells media it sells advertising it does it's and it helps the trade war helps the trade war we'll take a break here you're tuned to future sense with uh, steve mcdonald nick jeans and uh, mitch schultz in the studio here uh, thanks for joining us
You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.